0: Welcome to the DrDavidMarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr David Marlin and along with a great team of experts I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts we will discuss science-led research, technology, information and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com. And to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Right at home.
2: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, my name is Dr. Gillian Tabor, and I'm a chartered physiotherapist, and I specialise in the treatment and rehabilitation of horses. In this podcast, I'd like to talk to you about my thoughts of equine gastric ulcer syndrome and back pain in horses. And this links to David's webinar on gut health. So on a day-to-day basis, I go and see horses that might have been referred to me with specifically diagnosed orthopedic issues. And those would come from a veterinary surgeon looking for my assistance in pain management and rehabilitation. But also I have referrals for those horses that have been um, considered to have a poor performance issue. And it could be the owner and the rider is noticing this performance, or the owner and rider has asked the vet to have a look and uh, the vet hasn't found anything specific in terms of lameness or uh, other po- um, other pathology. So in this instance, I would go in and perform firstly a um, an examination, which is preceded by a thorough history taking from the owner or the caregiver or the rider of the horse. And the reason that I'd like to take a full history is that this in itself can give me some clues. So I take all the information such as the horse's age and breed and size and uh, current workload, but also I ask for specifics such as what is the reason that they consider the horse has a reduction in performance and they might tell me specific signs. So there can be blatant clinical signs such as conflict behaviours. So the horse has started bucking or the horse has started refusing at jumps. Um, or there may be more subtle signs saying the horse has um, perhaps got a little bit stiffer when we're asking for half-pass perhaps, you know, in a in a um, sort of medium-level dressage horse. Or... Maybe uh, a horse has issues coming downhill. It used to come down confidently and not alter its sort of speed and stride length. But now it's coming a little bit short and shuffly. Or maybe, you know, it's going crooked downhill. The other things that I might get um, suggested as an issue is the horse is turning away from them. Then they're approaching it in the stable with their saddle. Or maybe it's becoming uh, increasingly grumpy uh, or reactive to girthing. So there's a sort of a wide variety of signs reported that um, may be a a factor of this reduced performance. So my job as a physiotherapist is um, mainly looking for musculoskeletal issues. So after the history taking I'll do a gait assessment, I'll look at the horse moving in hand and if facilities allow I'd really like to see horses on the lunge so that I can assess canter. We know that canter uh, is very useful for looking at um, hind limb issues and, and back problems. And then my clinical exam carries on with some hands-on assessments, um, looking for motion um, restrictions, looking for pain reactions, looking for change in muscle tone and uh, stiffnesses and reduced range of motion. So all the things that you know musculoskeletal practitioners should assess. So. In my mind, I am looking for something that has this musculoskeletal origin, I'm looking for a soft tissue pathology, or maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking for uh, a, a joint pathology, or it could be that there's some um, fascial restriction or there's some inflammation um, or swelling. I and mean, there's 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 a huge range of um, findings, obviously, from my clinical exam. But Basically, I'm looking for physical signs on the structures that I can see and I can feel and I can assess. However, as I said, I am uh, talking to you to think about the um, relationship between perhaps some of these signs of poor performance and equine gastric ulcer syndrome. Now, I'm not a vet. I am not legally allowed to diagnose, nor would I have the skills to. You know, that is a veterinary surgeon's job. However, my knowledge of general health, ill health, disease um, and sort of horse's well-being has expanded so that I have differential diagnoses to consider. And certainly it's something that I need to be aware of so that I know where my scope of practice finishes and where I might need to refer the horse that I'm seeing back to the vet. Some of the clinical signs of gastric ulcers actually overlap quite um, well with those clinical signs of back pain. And this is an issue when it comes to trying to establish what is causing what. We know that uh, equine gastric ulcer syndrome can cause sort of internal medicine signs, so colic, um, uh, weight loss, coat condition, diarrhoea, that kind of um, situation. But also listed in the signs um, to look out for are changes in behaviour. And they might be an increase in stereotypy, so such as crib biting. But also, there's a big um, suggestion that gastric ulcers can also cause poor performance. And in fact, there is a study uh, of horses where gastric ulcers were treated, and they found that in half of the group that didn't have the omeprazole treatment, there was an effect on stride length, and um, they thought it could be um, in relation to uh, abdominal pain. And obviously, that would then have an effect on their performance. So where we've got um, uh, uh, an internal issue causing an external sign, this is where our overlap and potential confusion can happen. So as I said, back pain, our clinical signs of poor behaviour, um, poor performance rather, and changes of behaviour, and also those conflict behaviours. And now we've got equine gastric ulcer syndrome that is also showing poor performance signs. So. How do I, as a clinician, when I approach a, a horse, use that knowledge in practice? Well, this comes with the discussion part, using the owner um, to help me with my sort of detective processes. Has the change of behaviour been li- linked to any changes in circumstances for the horses? So have they been travelling more or competing more? Or has there been a change of diet or a change of environment? because that would then maybe um, make me move away from a musculoskeletal um, cause and, and think maybe a sort of an internal issue. However, if there has been uh, recent trauma or for instance saddle fit problems or a change of um, training program, then that could be musculoskeletal. So. If I have an owner that has any doubt, and perhaps we have a mixed picture, what do I do? Well, in that instance, I don't have, excuse me, <clears throat> I don't have either x-ray eyes, and I also don't have um, the ability or the, um, uh, I, I'm not a vet, so I can't look at um those sort of internal signs without the vet performing uh, gastroscope and that actually is the gold standard diagnosis for equine gastric ulcer syndrome there's a lot of talk about these external clinical signs that um, might be pointing to it But in the European Consensus document that um, came out a few years ago, they said that um, they recommend the um, gastroscope uh, so that they can diagnose it and they don't want people to go on these characteristics or clinical signs. So it is a bit of a grey area. There is a huge overlap between the clinical signs for back pain and ulcers. And so, really, if there's in any, if you're in any doubt, and um, you're in this situation, or you know somebody that is, I would really recommend going to the vet for further diagnoses. What we don't want to have is a situation where we are assuming musculoskeletal pain. And we are treating that again and again and again and obviously not having any um, outcomes, any positive outcomes, but there are some practitioners out there that do persist in regular treatment without looking for an underlying cause. And I always say that if I treat um, my findings once, maybe twice, and I haven't made a change, then that really is a clear sign for me that I am treating secondary symptoms and then that would be needing to be referred to uh, back to the vet for investigation. So that that's just my opinion. Um, I think it is complex and I think the more that we learn about internal issues such as ulcers, I think the um, more we have to open our eyes to potentially different reasons as to why we're getting these um, symptoms. I also think that um, diagnosis here is really key. I don't think we can make assumptions um, and um, change treatment plans or, or managements unless we really know what's going on. So I think that's sort of my um, concluding um, point, really. Uh, If in doubt, then definitely get it looked at by your vet. And then um, once, uh, once you have a diagnosis or maybe an absence of presence of ulcers, then that can give you the confidence that you know that you're taking the right treatment approach but i 'd be interested to hear any thoughts so any of you that are listening you know maybe you 've had horses with ulcers and no back pain, or maybe you 've had horses that have got back pain and have got ulcers um, there isn 't actually any research to demonstrate the clinical link between the presence of ulcers and um, that causing back pain although um, certainly in humans we know that peptic ulcers can throw off all all sorts of signs in terms of um, muscle spasms and back pain so you know there is the potential but that um, purely would be uh, anecdote at this stage Uh, and obviously an area for further research if anybody was interested um, but yeah, if you if you've had that experience and you want to share, then um, please do. And yeah, be we welcome any further discussion on it.
0: I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the stable science series if you want to learn more about this topic and our work head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles webinars videos and research all designed to help horse owners riders trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.